going to tell you a story to start things off this morning, and it's going to sound like the most un-Easter Easter sermon ever. Like, did he forget what day it was? But we will get around to it. But just let me, let me tell you a story, and, and then we'll uh, get to the Bible. So in 1880, in Alabama, there was a baby girl named Helen born to the Keller family. And when she was 19 months old, she had an undiagnosed illness that left her blind and deaf. So from 19 months old, she lived in total silent darkness. She could feel things with her hands and taste and smell and all that, but there was no words and there was no light. And I I think that would be unimaginably difficult to raise a child toddler age who could not hear your voice or see your face knows any words. How would you potty train a a child in that situation? And she was one of five or six siblings, highly intelligent, but totally unaware of the world outside of her darkness and had no idea that the people that she knew, she could hug her father and she was aware enough to know different people as they walked across the room to her. She knew who was coming by the by the weight of their steps on the floor. She had ways of trying to communicate what she wanted, but uh, she basically lived like an animal and was very, very rough on her family to know how to train her. So when she was eight years old, she and her father got on the train and they went to New England to a school for the blind to try and find a tutor who was there, is there any way for us to reach our daughter? Let her know that there's an outside world that she cannot see or hear. In New England, they met Ann Sullivan. And if you know the play or the book or the movie, The Miracle Worker, you know a little bit about this story. But Ann came to live with the Keller family in Alabama, and she brought this doll for Helen. Her idea to teach Helen what to teach her sign language and just words in general, was that she would put the doll in her hand. She knew what a doll was. She had several. She just knew how it felt. But she didn't really, I guess I can't say she knew what it was. But she had dolls. She knew what it was. And so then Anne would spell out with sign language, and I don't know, but it's D-O-L-L. She would sign that in her hand. And then she would put the doll back in her hand and let her touch it. And then she would take it away and sign D-O-L-L and then give her the doll back. Anne was smart enough that within minutes, she would play the same game. She would hand Anne the doll, and then D-O-L-L in Anne's hand. But Anne could tell she had no idea that 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 was a word. Are you with me? So in total silent darkness, she can mimic whatever anybody else is doing, because she was a genius. She truly was, but just unable to comprehend. And so for weeks or even months maybe, Anne would take her around to various objects and, and have her touch the object and then spell it out in sign language in her hand and then touch it again and, and again and again and again. And after some time, I don't know how long, weeks or months it was, she had her outside at the hand water pump. You know, this is 1889. You know, so she's hand pumping the water and she, she puts... Helen's hand under the water, and the water, and she, of course, she knew what water was. She drank it, she'd felt it, she'd bathed, she'd swam. She knew what that was, but not that there was a name for it or that it could be communicated. Are you with me? Put her hand under the water, and then W A T E R, 
under the water, W-A-T-E-R. And then Helen would do it to Ann. She'd grab Ann's hand, stick it under the, and just laugh, W-A-T-E-R. And, and there came a moment, a flash of lightning in Helen's darkness. And this is her quote. When she was 21, she wrote her life story. And she, these are Helen's own words. Suddenly, I felt a misty consciousness as of something forgotten, a thrill of returning thought. And somehow the mystery of language was revealed to me. I knew that W-A-T-E-R meant the wonderful, cool something that was flowing over my hand. The living word awakened my soul and gave it light and hope and set me free. I knew that W-A-T-E-R meant the wonderful, cool something that was flowing over my hand. The living word awakened my soul and gave it light hope and set it free. And for the first time in her existence, because you don't remember what, she didn't remember what she'd heard and seen before 19 months old, none of us do. For the first time, she realized she could communicate, that there was meaning and experience outside of what she experienced in her silent darkness, and that people could communicate with her, and she went wild. She actually took Anne over the next few hours to the point of physical collapse, dragging her around the house, and every object that she knew, because the family kept everything in the exact same place, she knew all these objects, and she would make Anne spell it out. What is this name? What is this? What is this word? What is this word? And went on for hours until Anne collapsed. <laughs> it's like, I'm done for today. <laughs> and, and Helen absorbed it all, and she was incredibly intelligent. The next picture is her a little bit older. Uh, as a, a young lady, and the next picture is her as a Harvard student in her 20s. She very quickly learned Braille. She learned to speak. Uh, she would put one hand on a person's larynx here on their voice box, and she could discern the vibrations in their throat. She put the other hand on their lips, and she would actually put her finger in their mouth to see what the tongue was doing, and then she would copy that movement. And it was very rough. But it's understandable speech. When Helen spoke, she actually toured the world giving speeches, and they had to be translated. And Anne traveled everywhere with Helen, all over the world, translating what Helen was saying. But you can get on YouTube and watch videos of Helen Keller speaking. She can't hear it. She can't see anything. She's in total silent darkness. But she could speak. She graduated from Harvard and toured the world. She came to love music. They made her a, a special table that the top of the table would uh, vibrate extra sensitively, and she could feel music, and she could discern different songs, and different instruments even. Uh, she met numerous presidents. This is her meeting President Eisenhower, the only person in the world that would be allowed to touch the president's face. That's Helen in the middle, listening to Eisenhower speak with her hand. She can't see him or hear him, but this is Anne on the right, spelling what President Eisenhower is saying into, into Helen's hand. As, and so between her own hand on Eisenhower's face and Anne's hand spelling things, Helen can have a conversation with people. And by this, at that age, she was plenty able to speak back. And Anne had, like I said, Anne had to translate a lot of it, but she, Anne could tell exactly what Helen was saying. She died in 1968, just short of her 88th birthday. Totally cut off from normal sensory input of the rest of the world. And Jesus says that every one of us, without him, is blind and deaf. Even though we look normal, sometimes even look pretty, Jesus says the normal condition of our heart, without him, is blind and deaf. 
Romans 11, 7 to 8, the chosen have found salvation, but the rest are blind. Just as it is written, they have eyes that cannot see and ears that cannot hear. Obviously, that's not talking about our physical eyes and ears. That's talking about our spiritual senses, that our heart is blind to God on its own, and our heart, our spirit, cannot hear the voice of God on our own. We're born in the same condition that Helen Keller lived her life. Matthew 13, the hearts of these people have grown dull. Their ears cannot hear and their eyes cannot see. Otherwise, they would see with their eyes and hear with their ears. Otherwise, they would understand with their hearts and turn so that I would heal them. And the next passage, John 3, 3, Jesus answered and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. There is a spiritual world that the Bible calls the kingdom of God. And unless we're born again by the Spirit of God, we cannot see it. In our natural state, in our normal state, we are all deaf and blind. We cannot experience the things of God. There's a reality that even though it is completely real, we just have to take it by faith. In the same way that Helen had to be taught what the world was like. She could feel a tabletop and she knew a fork and she could taste all her food and she could feel her clothing and she could touch other people and discern their shape. But how would you tell somebody blind and deaf and had been all their life, how would you tell them what a cloud is? How would you describe blue or green? How would you describe sunlight? She could feel sunlight when it was warm. She could even tell what direction the sun was because you can, you can feel where the warmth's coming from. But when you close your eyes and look up at the sky, you see a lot of light through your eyelids. We've never been in total dark, darkness. We've never been in complete silence. And in fact, for those people who can hear, total silence actually will, uh, people crack mentally within 20 minutes of total silence. She had been that way all along, so she, it didn't drive her mad but she just had to take it that the people, Anne and my mother and my siblings and my dad, they're not lying to me. They can, she had to realize they can see something that I can't see. They can hear things that I can't see. You could put a parakeet in her hand and she could, she could feel it. And she could learn what a bird was. And you could tell her there are billions of these things around the world. And they live in trees and she would know what a tree was. Yes, I've... I felt a tree and she could imagine the branches and they could say, well, they sit on these branches. But you, how would you tell her what a bird song is? That they sing, they make music. Well, okay, music's vibration, but she has no concept for what, it, what sound is. The wind, she could feel the wind, she could feel the temperature difference, she could feel the energy of the air moving, but she'd never heard it. Lots of things that she just had to believe because the people who could see them and hear them told, them that she, told her that they were real. There is a reality that we cannot experience even though it is completely real. And we have to believe somebody who says, I can see it and I can hear it. And that's Jesus. Jesus came, said, I came to show you the Father. None of you have ever seen God, but I have. I've been there. I come from there. Follow me. 
we can either insist, no, I can see my own way, thank you very much, or we can admit, no, on my own I am blind, I don't know where God is, I can't find him on my own, I need somebody to follow who can see and hear. Amen? And the good news is that Jesus came to open the eyes of the blind and the ears of the deaf. And in Luke chapter 4, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor and he sent me to heal the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captive and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Part of Jesus' mission statement was to open the eyes of the blind. And we already know that if you know the gospels, you know that he healed, physically healed, medically healed numerous people who were blind and they could see. But we know he doesn't just mean that because he said, your eyes are blind and he's not talking to people that can't physically see, he's talking about the eyes of our heart. He came to open the eyes of the blind and that's you and me. Matthew 9, Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him crying out saying, son of David have mercy on us. And when he had come to the house, the blind men came to him and Jesus said, do you believe that I am able to do this? And he said, they said to him, yes Lord. And they touched their eyes saying, according to your faith, let it be to you. And their eyes were opened. Next passage from Matthew 12. One was brought to him who was demon-possessed, blind, and deaf, and mute. So this man had the same problems as Helen Keller, plus he's demon-possessed. That's a guy in a really bad way. He's blind and deaf and mute and demon-possessed. And Jesus healed him so that the blind and mute man spoke and saw. And all the multitudes were amazed and said, could this be the Messiah? In John chapter 9, we come into a story where Jesus has already healed the blind man. In a town where everyone knows this man has been blind since birth, he's a beggar on the street, everyone knows him. Jesus heals him and he's jumping around and shouting and running and jumping and as you would. If you had been born blind, you would be very, very excited. You would lose your dignity, which isn't dignity, it's just fear of man. He was really excited and draws a crowd and the Pharisees chew him out because they're unhappy because Jesus did this on a Saturday and you're not supposed to do work on the Sabbath and and uh, so th- we come into the middle of the story here. The guy's already been healed, and, he- and the man is speaking to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law in the synagogue, and he says, the, the, mo- the man who has just been healed of blindness, since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of, the- of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And they, meaning the priests and the Pharisees, they answered and said to him, you were completely born in sin. What are you to teach us? And they cast him out. They threw him out of the worship service because he got healed. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and when he had found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of God? And he answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said, You have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. And Jesus said, For judgment I come into this world that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may be made blind. And then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words. They said, Are we also blind? And Jesus said, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, We see. Therefore, your sin remains. Do you see that Jesus goes back and forth between talking about physical blindness and spiritual blindness in the same sentences there? He's combining both. I came that the blind may see both physically and spiritually. And those people who think they see, meaning they think they know the truth and they think they know God, they're actually blind. Yes? All right. So Jesus came to open the eyes of the blind is the good news for you this morning. That... There are things that are real. They objectively exist, but you haven't seen them yet. You can't, and you can't hear them, just like Helen Keller just has to believe that birds sing and that there's clouds in the sky because the people who can see and hear those things are telling her that they're real. 
So there are things that are real and they objectively exist, but maybe you haven't experienced it yet. The proof is that it's real is that some of us can see them. And I don't mean visions and dreams and spiritual lightning split the sky moments. I mean with the eyes of our heart. Yes? Matthew 15, the disciples come to him and say, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard you say this? And he answered and said, Every plant which my father, heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. Leave them alone. They're blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind leads the blind, both will fall into a ditch. Did you know that that saying came from the mouth of Jesus? The whole world quotes Jesus and doesn't know it. The blind leading the blind. He says, if you're going to follow the leaders of the world, they're blind and they'll just lead you into a ditch. But I came that you can see. Apart from a miracle from Jesus, the normal condition of our human heart is Helen Keller's situation. And every Christian in the world freely admits that. We sing with gusto, I once was blind, but now I see. Every Christian in the world probably knows that song. And we sing it, and, and we all freely admit, I used to be blind, and now I see. I, it makes sense. Before, I didn't know God. I wasn't looking for him. I didn't care what he said. I never read my Bible. Christians were just fools who met in a building on Sunday, and I wanted nothing to do with them. And then uh, there was this day, there was this event, there was this moment where all of a sudden I just saw that God is real, and he's there. I don't know why I didn't see it before, but all of a sudden it was, I just saw it. I didn't decide it. I didn't learn it. I saw it. Jesus opened our eyes to reality. We don't have blind faith. We have faith because we can see. Let me say that again. We don't have blind faith. We have faith because now we see. I see something I never saw before. My heart changed. I care about things I didn't care about before. I used to think that it was all gibberish and gobbledygook and now it makes sense i used to think it was all pretend in ancient history and a fable and now i know that it's alive and real and it's here today so in this room right now we've got people who are longtime believers we've got people who are new believers that moment of seeing was in your recent history the last few weeks we got people who you agreed to come to church this morning because you want to know what the rest of us see. Why do they do that? <laughs> Why do they go and sing into the air? Why do they listen to a preacher talk too long and read from a book from 2,000 years ago? And I don't see it. But if there's something to it, I want to see it. And then others of you were coerced by grandma or mom to come this morning. And you're like, no, no, there's nothing to it. It's not real. And I, I would say that all of us who are believers would say, yeah, we get it. We really do. We understand we, that you don't see it because there was a day that we didn't either. And we know what that's like. But if you honestly ask, if you're willing to pray the God, if you're real prayer, he will answer. He will. If you honestly ask, Jesus will open your eyes like he did ours. And in the meantime, kind of like Helen Keller, you're going to have to trust those of us who say that we see it, and we love you, and we're not lying to you. It really is real.
that there is objective truth outside of myself. Helen Keller was stuck in a dark and silent world, and there was all this stuff that she could touch with her hands and taste, but that was it. The the rest of it was a total mystery to her, and she's trapped inside of her own prison of silence and darkness. That's, That's our spiritual experience. That's our spiritual state without Jesus. But it doesn't mean that the things that she couldn't see, like a rainbow or a cloud or color or fire, all of that that she's missing, it doesn't mean it wasn't real. It was real. And the fact that she couldn't see it doesn't prove anything. So the fact that you say, well, I've never met God, that doesn't prove anything about whether he's real or not. Hello. If there are people who say, we have seen him and met him, and I don't mean seen him in a vision like the sky split open, I just mean the eyes of our hearts have been opened. If it's somebody you can trust, if it's somebody you know isn't lying to you, if it's somebody you know loves you and wants you to experience the same thing, then believe them. Because there is objective truth. And I, okay, so I've used that word several times, let me define it. So objective truth means something that is real of its own accord, and it's not something you have to believe in or not, it's just there, like this chair. All right, this chair is here, it doesn't matter whether I believe in it or not, it's there. It's a fact. It's concrete fact. All right, and there are things that are objective truth, and there's things that are subjective. Subjective is like your opinions, and your ideas, and your proposals, and suggestions, and so it's a concrete fact that the Oregon Ducks won the Rose Bowl in 2012 and 2020. That's a concrete fact. Uh, an objective truth. A subjective idea would be the Ducks are the best team in college football. Something like that. You with me? When I use those terms. Objective is, it's a provable fact. And subjective is an idea or an opinion or a proposal or something like that. If you want to tell me the Beavers are the best team, then that's just a provable lie. But... <laughs> Uh, When I say objective truth, I mean it's concretely real regardless of what anybody says. God is objectively real. The fact that somebody hasn't met him yet or seen him yet or heard him yet doesn't prove anything. Because those of us who have, we know it's real. Jesus is objectively alive right now this morning. It's not a story, it's not a fable, it's not a myth, it's not a legend, it's not ancient history, it's not a religion. We believe that he is physically alive, resurrected from the grave after three days. And we believe it because the people who were alive at the time said it. And we believe it because he has changed our lives in a way that we could not. We believe it, it's the ultimate proof that he is and was who he said he is, that he is the son of God. We believe that he is currently alive in heaven, seated with the Father, and that he is returning to be crowned king of the entire world, and he will reestablish justice in paradise. I know most of you 100% on board with what I just said. Let me address those of you who are not completely convinced about that list of facts that I just said. You have two choices. You can say that I am completely insane. You're free to do that. Like, those Christians are completely nuts. You can believe that, that we're the ones who are blind and deaf to reality. 
You're welcome to decide that. Or you might perhaps admit that your heart is still blind and deaf. And that we are the ones that have seen something that you haven't yet seen. Maybe, like Helen Keller, you could trust somebody who loves you, who cares about your eternal soul, and says, Mom, brother, grandma, granddaughter, this is real. I see it. I know it. And I know you haven't seen it yet, but I'm praying for you, and I want you to experience the love that I have experienced. And I want you to see that this is not me making this up so that I have meaning in my life. I'm not just making up a religious duty so that I have something to live for. I have experienced a real man who changed my life. I once was blind, but now I see. The fact that somebody can't sense something doesn't mean that it isn't real objective truth. Every Sunday, I'm here spelling W-A-T-E-R, hoping that somebody gets it. W-A-T-E-R, S-P-I-R-I-T, J-E-S-U-S. I'm hoping somebody gets it. That somebody has the living word explode inside of them and they come alive for the first time. Because Christianity is objective truth. It isn't opinion. It isn't ancient culture. It is revealed by God to humanity, meaning we just saw it. God just showed it to us. It isn't human opinion. It isn't planned or authored or scripted or recorded religion. It is objective truth. But not very many people in America right now believe in objective truth. Like you can believe whatever you want. What's true for you might not be true for me. And 78% of American adults believe there is no objective moral truth. 92% of American teenagers say there is nothing that is true all the time or something that is never true. It's like, well, I guess a girl can decide to be a boy if she wants to. Or I guess you can just live your life however you want. Or I guess there is nothing that is true. What's true for you is true for you. What's true for me is true for me. And No. No, there, there is objective truth. There's something that's concretely real, regardless of what anybody decides about it. Well, maybe it's better for the people who know the Bible, except that it's not. 72% of American adults who attend church regularly believe there is no objective truth. And 91% of teenagers who attend church a couple times a month and go to youth group and read their Bibles say, well, we can't really know what's true. Well, we can know what's true. We can This is what the Bible calls making God in our own image. In the Old Testament, they would worship a totem pole. They'd go out in the woods, cut down a tree, carve it to look like a thing that's half fish and half man or half cow and half man, and then they would cover it in gold and then they would bow down to it and worship it and call it creator when they knew they made it last week. (laughs) And God says in Ezekiel, he says, your idols that you worship are deaf and blind and mute, but you call them God's. And when you worship them, you become just like them. You can't see and hear spiritually when you worship a stick that you yourself carved. Well, we don't go do that in 2022. We're not out worshiping totem poles. But we worship money and the entertainment industry and the news industry. And we live for all these things that we think are going to be our salvation. And it can't speak or hear and it is alive and it is an eternity. And then because we worship all these other things except the real God and his revealed word, then we become deaf and blind. 
When people say, well, your truth is your truth, my truth is my truth. There's nothing more arrogant than you could say than, than this is my truth. I get to define what's true. That's the job of a God. Come on, that's the, that's the job of a God, to be the ultimate objective truth. So when somebody says, well, that's my truth and this is your truth, it is them saying, I'm God, I get to decide. Helen Keller can't say, well, because I, didn't, I don't see it, I don't believe you, Mom. I don't believe you, Anne. I don't believe you, sister. Only what I sense is real. And she knew that that would have been a foolish thing to say. She had to trust somebody who, could, who says, I see more than you do. Trust me. Listen to me. I love you. I'm here to teach you. The cult of Scientology on the other end of the spectrum says that nothing is real. That nothing is physical, it's all just a figment of our imagination. We're all living in sort of this hologram reality inside of our own brain and there isn't anything real. Well, when those people run into a dump truck, they find out that there is concrete objective reality. They can stand in the street all they want and say, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, and they're going to get run over. Hello? Death is coming down the road and it is going to come to you. It may be tomorrow, it may be four decades from now, but the, the dump truck of death is going to hit you. And you're going to enter eternity and you're going to find out that God and Jesus and Judgment Day and heaven and hell are objective realities and it doesn't matter what you refused to believe now or what you did believe, it is objective reality. I'm going to pray for you today that God will open your eyes before it's too late. That it isn't me judging you to tell you that there's things you haven't seen yet. It's me loving you. It's me caring about your eternal soul. We have to put our trust in the one who has been dead and is now alive. The one who says, I've been there to that world and I'll lead you through it. I'll get you there. He's been there and seen what we haven't seen and we follow him. John 12 Last scripture, Jesus said, he who sees me sees him who sent me. I have come as light into the world, and whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not believe, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. You see it? Seeing and hearing. It's shocking, actually, how often God combines, and Jesus combines those two things that were Helen Keller's disabilities. Jesus says, if you see me, you've seen God, and I came to be light in your darkness so that you can see. Hear my words. So, first of all, I want to talk to you, though, those of you who aren't quite convinced just yet. Maybe you're searching or maybe somebody drug you to church because it's Easter Sunday. I want to lead you in a prayer, and I'm not going to ask you to say anything out loud. I'm not asking you to commit to anything. I'm not asking you to believe anything you don't believe. Here's what I want to lead you in this kind of a prayer. God, if you're real, let me see you. And I don't mean you're going to have a vision and these angels are going to show up in your bedroom at night. I don't mean that. I just mean you're going to know. You're going to know. Like, I know. In your knower. <laughs> that something just happened and I see that it's real. Okay? So those of you who are hardcore Christians, bow your head, close your eyes. Sit tight for a moment. We'll lead everybody in a prayer in just a minute. I want, I want to lead those of you who are skeptics this morning. 
you're not quite sure, you're not convinced, or you're a hardcore downer. Like, nope, this is foolishness. These people are just singing to the screen at the front of the room. If you would just have enough interest to pray this prayer, God, if you're really there, Jesus, if you are real, open my eyes. I need to see you. And that's it. It could be the most powerful prayer you ever pray in your life, if that's what you need to happen. Jesus, I need to see you. Open my eyes and my ears. And now, those of you who are longtime Christians, you know enough to know that there's things you need to learn and see every day, that God is continually opening the eyes of our heart again and again and again. So let's just all pray this together, if you repeat after me. Jesus, you said you came to open the eyes of the blind. I ask you to open the eyes of my heart that I see you even more clearly, that I hear your voice more clearly every day. I need you, Jesus. I need to see you. I need to see myself. I need to see truth for what it actually is. Amen. Now let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, I ask in your name that you would open the eyes of every heart in this place, that those who have never seen you would see you for the first time, that they would know that they've just met you, that you have spoken into the core of their being the word that they needed to hear. Like Helen Keller said, that the living word came in and shined in my soul and made me alive. Lord, I pray that you would do that in a more, even more eternal way for every person here whether they have met you or not, that you would again and again and again be light inside of us, shining in the darkness, revealing truth, showing us God, showing us the way to God. Lord, shine out of your word and by your spirit with your eyes of fire and your face like lightning. Lord Jesus, we bless your holy name and I thank you for what you're doing right now these hearts. Amen.